0: surprise
1: (laughs) mullion hall chicago sports radio six seven to the score surprise indeed theo epstein back in baseball back in ownership back um never been in ownership before back well, we don't know back exactly what his role is, well, but he
2: is back in Boston. We don't know what his role is, but we know from history it will be impactful. Yeah. He's not going yeah. to be somebody that just cashes a check and and you know makes money off his name. He's going to be involved. He was very, very impactful in his role as a consultant to Major League Baseball. And now he goes back to the Red Sox part of the Fenway Sports Group. Molly, it's not just the Red Sox, as you know, that the Fenway Sports Group is involved in. Imagine all of the franchises that Theo Epstein could meddle with. Liverpool, the Liverpool Football Club. That's right. There you go. The Pittsburgh Penguins. They own the Penguins? In March 2021, FSG acquired a controlling interest in the Pittsburgh Penguins. Imagine Theo giving Sidney Crosby advice. Theo uh, Theo and his wife have
1: uh, two kids, and I, I remember reading the story of, was it Gordon Eads, the sports writer, mm-hmm. reported that, that they were getting married, uh, and they, they got married uh, at Nathan's hot dog stand in Coney Island, and that was the story and everything. Well, it, it turns out that, that was Theo's dad who was making a joke. And he told them that they got married on Coney Island. At the, he, they actually were on John Henry's yacht in St. Thomas or something. I mean, great. It's hilarious. I mean, it would be awful to have to write a correction that they didn't get married in, in Coney Island, but isn't that a funny story? Yeah,
2: that is. That's, that's funny. That's I did not know that.
1: People joking around. Yep. And I just I don't know why. His family, What was it? His grandfather and his great uncle wrote, Casablanca I'm just saying Theo and his crew connected to all sorts of stuff
2: a lot of connections now with the uh, Red Sox and and former Cubs or I guess maybe former Red Sox still going turned cub now former Cubs turned Red Sox again Craig Breslow right is the former cub director of pitching or whatever his title was with the Cubs and he's now running the Red Sox as, mm-hmm. as their GM so that's a it's an interesting connection. You wonder, as a couple of texters have pointed out, you wonder if, as Theo brings people into the organization, if there are any people in the Cubs front office that will follow or eventually land there after their Cub tenure. Lots of things could happen. You just don't know how how his fingerprints will be on there and what his role will be. But this is good for him. It is baseball symmetry. This is where he started to make an impact. Really, I guess he started with the Padres technically. But he really burst onto the scene with the Red Sox, and now he's going back there. And, you know, I don't
1: know how you get mad about that if you're a Cubs fan. And, well, Dustin can get mad about anything, I suppose. Um, But I honestly don't know how you would take exception to his choices. He's from there. He grew up there. I know he was in San Diego, went to law school while out there and learned – a lot about contracts and negotiating etc and then comes back to Boston and is like a he's a very young man leading a baseball organization but he's a brilliant guy a Yaley and um, and you look at it the, the success that they had right winning a couple of titles I wonder if people were mad that he he went to the Cubs that he you know Actually took the job in Chicago and obviously breaks the curse here
2: too. Oh, I'm sure that people were upset about that in Boston. Yes, I'm sure that that was hard for a lot of people to see him go to another organization and then even harder to see him do here what he did there. But he just turned fifty. Yep,
1: and now here he is a part of ownership. I mean, I I think if you start talking about the great executives in sports history, I think. Theo is a Hall of Famer. Dustin mentioned the good work he's done for baseball and changing some of the rules and making the game more exciting. And and uh, well, there's no question about it. It's you, fantastic.
2: You look at this generation, and he's one of the he's one no of the doubt. most successful, right. impactful baseball executives of this era. And now, it, if if this is his third act, as he has alluded to, a lot of people thought it would be in an expansion role or a team like or a franchise like the Oakland turned Las Vegas A's. Or somebody even, you know, the Mets could have bought him and paid him all the money to turn that franchise around, but this makes the most sense because of the familiarity and just the the symmetry. And you could see Theo uh, embracing stuff like that, the the almost like a baseball romanticism, and he's got a little bit of that in him still.
1: And. When the White Sox were making their moves, didn't we talk about that? That's the guy. He was you, the first name. If you're ambitious, that's the guy. Give him a piece of ownership if
2: that's what it takes. It, they fired Kenny and Rick on a yeah. Monday, and a, by Tuesday morning, if it was that, it was Theo Epstein's name mm-hmm. that was kind of the dream candidate, but never realistic never. with Jerry Reinsdorf. No. Not that ambitious, not that. Yeah. Creative, and I just don't think it was ever a possibility. Even though it would have made the most sense if Theo Epstein wanted ownership stake as he has now with the Fenway Sports Group, you do wonder if Jerry Reinsdorf is motivated to sell. Why that would not have been a more of a serious consideration?
1: Really bright guy, does very
2: uh, makes a lot of smart moves, and this looks like one of them. Frankly, it does. Red Sox will be back. They'll win a World Series, probably. Uh, <laughs> During his tenure as a part time owner yeah. and senior advisor. Yeah. You just don't think it's that far fetched to say they they have always spent. They are in the toughest division in baseball mm-hmm. historically, and you figure that they're going to find a way to get back on top. This is what that says to every Red Sox fan out there, I think. And so if you're a Cub fan, you're not you're happy for him, but you are a little envious. Bad news for the Yankees. Yes.
1: I mean, that's, a, that's an organization that's been kind of dormant for a while. No offense to anyone, but uh, this, this doesn't bode well for the, the future. What would
2: really cheer Cub fans up if they're down about Theo going to Boston to win another World Series eventually is that if the Cubs would announce in a Friday news dump they're signing Cody Bellinger. That would be a great Friday news dump. How about it? Somebody over there. How Friday 445. Cubs
1: would signed you, Would you pay Bellinger. more than $200 million just to change the news? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I
2: don't know. I don't, and why would you do I'm it on rich. a news dump? No, probably not. Probably not $200 million. But uh, I think that this is the beginning of February. This is the week or this, the beginning of the time period that Jeff Passin, uh last week said that early February is when Scott Boris' clients would have to wait to start signing we're still waiting for Scott Boris's top clients to sign somewhere mm-hmm. It's remarkable really that this baseball offseason has come down to this you got a, you got four top free agents still without homes and teams are report to spring training in two weeks
1: yeah but but we kind of expected that right I mean when not this late, oh I thought we I, I thought we I were talking going into camp I mean camp's still two weeks away. There's still plenty of time to get all your hopes and dreams lined up, um and again, I you know you hear, well, you know the angels might be interested that's to me, now you're just making noise to explain, oh well, he wanted to go to the Dodgers, but he's willing to go to the Angels. So the Cubs better move it just seems made up.
2: yeah, it does it, it I, I don't think that uh I don't think that's realistic either. The good news and the big news in baseball last night was the big trade, the Brewers. Uh, Corbin Burns goes to the Orioles for a couple prospects. He's got one more year, so maybe that's why the haul seemed pretty reasonable. But Bob Nightingale's got a story in usatoday.com right now this morning, considering the Orioles, like, serious World Series contenders because of this trade.
1: Well, what they, that
2: does to their pitching staff. It makes their pitching staff a lot better, and they already have a lot of young players. They've got a lot of young players. They yep. kind of broke out last year. They did. As one of those teams, you wonder, they, they had kind of like the Detroit Lions season in Major League Baseball. Can they sustain that? Can they repeat that? This makes them feel more confident in Baltimore that they can. Big week for the Baltimore Orioles. They sell the team to an ownership group that includes Cal Ripken, Jr., and now they make a big trade for an ace that puts them in a position to think World Series.
1: Yeah, it's I, huge. I, you know, the the um the selling of the team is followed quickly by a move like that and I got to tell you it it speaks to ambition, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It if you want to send a message to your fan base buying the team and then immediately making a move like this does that it it lets people know that you're
2: serious about this year. it does, and it makes a statement that you know one will be related to the other because let's face it, whenever there's a sale of a team, the hope from the fan base is you're you're re-energized, you're yes. revitalized, you're like, yes. okay, now they're serious about winning and then you follow that up within you know two days of making a trade that confirms that. It says that you are ambitious. It's a new day and that's what you're waiting for if you're a sox fan really.
1: Well, <laughs> something uh, like that because I think we've seen it with the Cubs. I, I think when uh, when the Rickets bought the team and then you know' were, were very careful about figuring out the business and then made the move for Theo and they finally got to a point where you really were like, oh my God, they're gonna win right. And there were other times right. with, with uh, when the Tribune, a company owned it where you thought, wow, you know, and one of them was a trade with Theo where they got, um, uh, they got a Nomar Garcia Parra. I remember feeling that morning, like, wow, the Cubs are really going to go for it. They're getting uh, this shortstop in from, uh, uh, from the Bo Sox and they're really going for it. And that, that fizzled. That fizzled. Yeah. Yeah. Don't
2: make that deal. Nomar in Chicago was not Nomar in Boston. No,
1: it was not. Nomar was no more. (laughs) Nomar was no good uh but i but again i think that when you got to a point where theo came in and they had to change up the minor league system and you knew that that was the every season is sacred but we're going to lose a bit here um man that worked out huh didn't that wasn't that quite special and then you know the whole the offense is broken quote as you kind of gave up or you saw that they were en route to kind of giving up with that group.
2: Yeah, everybody, everybody respected when Theo Epstein left Chicago and the Cubs. And I think you understood that he had done what he came here to do. And it was time for him to move on in his mind. And certainly he kind of uh, explained a decade at a time. You know, after 10 years, he was ready to move on. And it was close to that. And he had, you know, accomplished all that he could here. So he went to Major League Baseball, was a consultant. And now this is Act Three and and good for him. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what um what to make of how, you know, you look at the Orioles, you look at the Red Sox now reenergized and you want the right. same thing for the White Sox and the best the closest they can come to a bold move like this would be to before spring training announce plans for a new stadium, you know, a new ballpark downtown.
1: Why do we accept that they're just it, you know, they're not spending money this year? That they, they they shouldn't spend any money. Is it because of of the fact that they lost 101 games with the group that they had. So no one gets too upset about changing
2: out and you know removing that element of it. I think conventional wisdom says that when you have a 101 loss season yeah. that you are ready to hit reboot and when you fire your front office and every executive that had something to do theoretically with that bad historically bad season mm. that starting over involves you know struggling and and rebuilding with young talent and prospects that you start to accumulate with trades with through other methods. And it's going to take a while.
1: So in light of that, are we disappointed this morning that, uh, that they haven't traded Dylan Cease? I did not want them to trade Dylan Cease. I did. I thought he was a good player. I wanted them, if anything, to pay Dylan Cease. uh, And they're not going to do that either. But do we feel any sense of
2: disappointment
1: that Dylan Cease is back well, well, just because even though you don't want it, they kind of announced he was on the way out? Well, well,
2: I think it's almost bigger than Dylan Cease. I think there's just an overall sense of disappointment with, you know, you were ready because of what we said. The context of going into this offseason whether it was going to be an active one, that the White Sox were going to be active in the trade market. And certainly there are pieces that they've added. And, but what's the blockbuster? Where is that been, and where is that still coming? You thought they would be capable of doing one of those trades that makes you say, well, okay, now they're on the way to something. Now this is something significant in terms of getting uh, a 21-year-old right-hander who can see, you could see ascending into an ace role or uh, a middle infielder or an outfielder that can hit for power, whatever the case is, but they haven't really done that. Eloy is still here. Dylan Cease is still here. Other pieces that you thought would be you know, trade assets or commodities are still here, and that is disappointing because if you wanted newness as spring training arrives, you're getting much of the same old, same old, and it's very tiresome. Well, I, I think part
1: of the problem, too, is that the White Sox have the same issues that they've had for a very long time. You know, when you start talking about um, being a, 500 team. When you think they're heading to uh, multiple parades, I think that's disappointing. When you then become a hundred loss team, while uh, with that group, you understand. Okay, they're going to make deals, but but what's different? What's changed? We're still looking for somebody in in right field. We still don't know what the long term future is at shortstop. They, they all they did was just kind of patch a you know, a couple of wounds, They and by patch I mean Band-Aid, some, some of the big gaping wounds that they've suffered, and now, you know, I'm glad that they're not spending top dollar, that the contracts are more reasonable, or am I?
2: Well, the the, the question that I would have going into the season is that somebody to honestly answer this, and and Chris gets alluded to it a little bit when we had him inside the clubhouse, but is this season – is this season going to be sacrificed in the name of acquiring prospects or the way that you have seen other teams do? We saw the Cubs, remember the trade deadline purge when they got rid of everybody. Mm-hmm. Are the White Sox headed toward that kind of a season where if people start to get off to strong starts, ideally you, you deal them if you can. You build up a market for Aloy Jimenez and maybe one that doesn't exist right now. Somebody else may get off to a strong start and the moment that they do, you, you sell high if you can sell high. Your trade deadline is now the next big you – know, we thought it would be the off season. It hasn't happened really. Now the trade deadline is the next big target. You hope that the White Sox can flip the roster and start to accumulate some prospects so there is a future.
1: Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I, it is like is, – what happened What happened to Tim Anderson? Where did he wind up? Is Nowhere. He, is he still out He's there? He's unsigned. That's wild. It's almost it?
2: as if Boris is his agent too. He's not, is he? I don't think so. No, I don't. But – <laughs> he's unsigned well that's just my point they they didn't really Oh, you know they're getting ready to Anderson, but he might be back for what i don't see them going in that direction i don't either yeah
1: i just i'm just saying uh, a lot of the issues that you thought they had they still have and uh, you know there was a
2: report earlier this week tim Anderson was talking to the marlins oh good and that could be one of the teams that could be interested Let's wait and see because there'll be somebody, if he could regain his batting eye and stroke, he could be an asset for a team and come. he's going to be coming relatively cheap.
1: And that was the last highlight for the White Sox, his home run. I said the news about the South Loop ballpark was the best news that we've had since
2: Tim Anderson homered in the cornfield.
1: Oh, God. All right. 312, 644, 6767. We have some people who want to talk about the Bears. We can get back to that if you want to talk about Theo or the White Sox. We Again, don't mention those two things in the same sentence, but uh, we can do that. 312, 644, 6767. Mullion Hall on the score.
0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Friday.
1: Mully and Haw, Chicago, Sports Radio, 670, The Score. So I'm... Uh, I'm watching this uh, East-West uh, Shrine game last mm-hmm. night. As I told you, I was trying to follow up on some of the NFL games, and I just thought it must be on the NFL network. And lo and behold, instead, they had the East-West Shrine game, and I got kind of hooked on it. Uh, Frank Gore Jr. is five foot eight. Mm-hmm. This guy's fast as lightning, but he's a little guy. And there was talk about whether – I think he's coming out now as a junior, right? And that's kind of wild when you think about it. But I guess he's not going to get any bigger uh, over the next year. And um, and he's entered the draft, and we know that his uh, brother was in that game, and he entered the draft because they denied him uh, the opportunity to return to Maryland for another year.
2: Yeah, 5'8 for a running back is – Undersized, but you yeah. never know. Running backs get all kinds of opportunities, and yes. there are guys who succeed in this today's uh, NFL the way that running backs are valued and teams go through them. So Frank Gore Jr. might have a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be a lot of guys you're going to see tomorrow in the Senior Bowl that are worth paying attention to. If you're curious and into this prospect, kind of watch as we have been all week. You know, the Bears had five players played in the last year Senior Bowl on the roster this year's rookie. rookies, so. I don't know who it will be, but the big center from Oregon, the edge rusher from UCLA, those are two guys that we hear a lot about that would stand out. It's just uh, you know things to consider and file away, and football to watch in, in a weekend where there will be no NFL football for the first time in months. Uh, we got a lot of people that have waited patiently to talk about the Bears.
1: Let's try Lewis. He's in Westchester. Hey, Lewis.
3: Hey guys, how you doing? Good. Good. Hey, I just want to put in my vote for trading the number one draft choice because you can get so much to help Justin Fields, to help the whole team. If you draft Caleb Williams, you're taking a guy who played in the absolutely worst defensive conference in the history of college football, and I'm a Pac-12er, so I know that and it's just it's such a risk and i think if you get justin fields a actual pocket we'll see that he's really really talented as a passer and i just i think taking a rookie is just a step backwards they could probably get the commanders second pick and they could pick marvin harrison or whoever the heck they want and they'd probably be able to pick a couple players off the commanders, and also get a pick for next year. Yeah, so. they get a lot.
2: They can get a lot, Lewis. It's it's a popular sentiment. It's a debate. I. They get their, I, their Montez Sweat pick back. They could do that. You could definitely get a second-round pick back. You could get a lot of draft capital. You could get a player even. But you're not going to get a franchise quarterback. And that's always going to be the equation. Greater than, less than. Franchise quarterback greater than draft hall, trade hall. In a lot of people's books, it depends on how you do the math. It could be fuzzy math to some people. I just think it depends.
1: Let's try. Uh, who do we have here? Is this Donald? Name is lost here. Uh, what's your name, bud? Ingvald.
2: Ingvald. Yeah. Ah, thanks for taking well, my all call. Right.
1: Thank you, Ingvald. Unfortunately,
2: so, the, I, uh, I am, it. quite frankly, amazed and frustrated at the number of Bears fans who want to trade the number one pick. Mm. There's a reason why the number one pick would garner such a King's ransom, and that's because elite quarterbacks are hard to come by, and the Bears have never had an elite quarterback, and I would argue they don't even have a good quarterback. There is no point in drafting a wide receiver high when your quarterback can't read a defense and would rather run than throw a forward pass. I don't want the Kings ransom. I want the bears to have the King. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks vault. That's a really good call. See, I, I don't know that I would be as harsh about Justin Fields in my evaluation of him, but I do think that his point about, there's a reason why teams would be willing to give up what they would be willing to give up to move into that position to draft Caleb Williams, he's worth it. Until proven otherwise, until evidence surfaces, he's worth it. Or he's considered to be worth it in the eyes of the professional football talent evaluators. Um, look, you
1: know, one of the great elements of having the number one overall pick, one of the great features of having your choice of all quarterbacks is the unknown. It is the 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 imagination of, wow, this guy's going to be the greatest. Wait, do you see this happen? I I don't know. I don't know how good Caleb Williams is going to be. I think that the possibility is incredibly intriguing and it's absolutely exciting to take a guy and say he's the best guy people projecting him as the best guy in 15 years and he's going to be so good is that real there you know you may end up finding that oh my god we got all this king's ransom but no he's he's not the legitimate king and and that is hugely disappointing but the possibility and the excitement that creates would be a phenomenal thing to see unfold. And it wouldn't take one year. No. It would probably take a little bit of time. You'd but have to be patient. There would be these moments where you're flashing this stuff. It would be I, a fun time I, to be a fan. It would be great. Yeah, get, get on the ground be, floor. It would be absolutely Be great. patient, watch yes. it develop. And then we'd, we'd be doing shows all the time about what is it that you're really looking for. And this is these are the things uh, and these uh, – this is the hint of what's to come. We'd
2: be doing shows in January about playoff games and that, yes, like, yes. coaching turnover. Exactly. It gets so tired. And by the way, Molly, breaking news on the score presented by BetQL. Smarter bets. Start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Punks Tony Phil did not see a shadow.
1: <laughs> is that breaking yes, news? Yes, it is breaking news. I saw that
2: two hours ago. Oh, well, it, we haven't gotten to it. We had a lot of Theo talk early spring pops a tiny fill if you believe in groundhog day and all that nonsense so that means if he didn't see a shadow
1: that means we get a quicker winter right it would have been if he sees the shadow it would have been cold again winter last 6 this, weeks this weather is like that's right it's that he's it's on to something the winter will be 45 minutes total <laughs> probably so right. it hasn't
2: been bad so far no, it hasn't it's really been, been that that it, terrible it's been very good this week is going to be great Really? Yes, very nice weather. How expected. nice! Sunny, forty-ish, mid forty-ish. I even saw maybe early next week fifty.
1: That you know, it hit about forty-five yesterday. But yeah. I, I think Dustin, you had promised me fifty, and I just resent you 50's coming. over the fact that it didn't hit fifty in my uh, my life because you you cheated me by promising. You created a, an expectation that ruined one of the best summer-like days of this winter.
0: Oh, out at O'Hare Field, it was 50.
1: See, again, you Official didn't tell, temperature me, you reporting didn't tell station. me I had to fly. So what today, Dustin? What should I expect? I
3: don't know.
0: I got to check with my guy, no. Billy. Yeah, yeah. 46 he, degrees. He has
1: a great connection. He, he <sighs> uh, Seriously, he's my weather guy. Because he knows the guy from BBM, right? and he gives us inside info.
2: No, GN, WGN. GN. he's Tom Skilling's E.P., so now he's uh, the new guy, Darius, his, his EP.: um, Demetrius Ivory. yes. Yes. Demetrius Ivory replaces Tom Skilling. That's big news yeah. at WGN for the Chicago uh, weather people and the meteorologist crowd.
0: And my guy Billy, is the EP of those of that show.
1: And WGN the morning means,
0: show? No, the weather, the weather, the weather department. He produces all the weather stuff.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, WGN, cool. world's greatest newspaper. And I just bring it up. Are we going back to the Tribune today? Are we going to go online? Um. Yes. Have, have we already?
2: Yes. Okay. How Dan Reader has a really good story there on, on Justin Fields and how he measures success. How were but, the
1: wire stories from yesterday? Well,
2: that's a. That was a really tense day yesterday. The Tribune mm-hmm. showed up, picketed. They made their statement, good for everybody who who did that, everybody who believed in that cause enough to show up and walk and, and talk and get the message out. Alden Capital needs to take them seriously, give them a new contract, give them what they deserve, goodness sakes. Yeah, go back to the Tribune today, though. Yesterday was the boycott.
1: We have a couple of callers. Let's get to the phone lines. Mel's in Chicago, and he has a
3: point to me. Hey, Mel, how, how are guys you? doing? How, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Feel good. Um, first of all, very exciting Pops and uh news. Thank, so you. thank you. for sharing that. Thank you. Um, I want to tell you that I have been going back and forth with, uh, with my friends, you know, shooting the schmutz, as we say, talking about whether or not uh, Fields is the right guy for the job or not. But after watching the 49ers and Brock Party, I've got to tell you that all we need, He's a quarterback that can run just enough. And Justin Fields is a heck of a running back, but he's, he, and he's a decent quarterback, but I'd take that first pick all day. I'd take Caleb Williams. I think if we're talking about Justin Fields at year four and if we're talking about how great he is at running, we don't pay a quarterback to run. We pay a quarterback to throw. And I personally feel that if a quarterback can run just enough, like Brock Party can, um, just to get that those few yards when we need that when we need that first down or get close to a first down, then we're putting way too much emphasis on if Justin Fields he just needs the right pieces, the right players. You don't hire an offensive co- brand new offensive coordinator to work with a guy who's been dealing with this for four years. I, I think they know what they're doing and I think they're they're getting ready to pull the trigger on, on Caleb Williams and, and, and get what they can for Justin Fields. That's my two cents.
2: I think you're Thanks, right, Mel. I think Mel's right. Yep. All the signs point to that direction. And and I appreciate his
1: appreciation of the breaking news. Thank you. And I was hoping we could just break that news yet again. Can we do it one more time?
2: Yes. Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow. So that means we're going to have an early spring.
1: So that is sort of a tribute to Groundhog Day. It is a tribute to Groundhog Day. If we keep giving that breaking Uh, news
2: report. Breaking news. Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow. So we will have in early spring. I heard that somewhere
1: before. That's good stuff. Yes. John is listening to see app. Hey, hey John. John. Hey, guys. Um, love Justin
2: Fields to death. But I don't know. We got to do OC, trade, Fields, get a bunch of draft picks. Maybe pick up J.J. McCarthy, I think. I think. Williams is a cancer, and there's so much crap why do you think going that? on. Tell me why. Tell me why, John. Just because all you hear is negativity. I mean, he's just, to me, he sounds pretty
3: arrogant. Kind of reminds me of Eli Manning, when Eli Manning, you know, refused to sign for whoever it was. Eli Manning know, won two Super
2: don't... Bowls. Would you take it if Caleb Williams won two Super Bowls but was arrogant? I don't think Caleb Williams could do it. Okay. I, we don't know if he can. We don't know if he can't. I, I don't know if what you have heard is legitimate, founded on fact, or just gossip and rumor. If he doesn't want to play in Chicago, I want to hear it from him or his agent or his dad. All of this other stuff, informed speculation is just that. It's not a report. Careful with your verbs. Breaking news on the score, Mully. What? What's now? Punxsutawney Phil did not what? see his shadow. Holy We're going to have an early spring.
1: That's fantastic news. We should keep breaking it. Uh, all right. We well, can't. it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> Again? I mean, it, come on. Come on. No, are you questioning my news judgment uh, now? Never. All right. You never have heard that <laughs> from my mouth. I don't know who would question that. I get it questioned quite a bit, but that's okay. I love it. It's, um... Everybody's got an opinion. Silence, exile, and cunning. Happy birthday, James Joyce. <laughs> 2nd of February. Very nice. And it's Groundhog's Day. What, uh, what was the determination, Dustin? Did uh, did you hear anything about whether winter's over or, or spring's early? What, what do you think's going to happen? Well, I also saw that it's going to be close to 50
0: on Thursday probably at O'Hare Field. See,
1: he's right. He's right. That's that is um is that NBA um trade deadline? Trade deadline. Yeah. 50 for the straight the trade deadline. <laughs> I like to mean?
2: think of it as three sleeps ahead of the Super Just Bowl. Just curious. What 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 does one have to do with the other? Well, it's going to be a beautiful day oh, on Thursday. Right. So any outgoing outbound flights for Sacramento or San Francisco clear cleared for takeoff.
1: We'll talk to uh, Dan and uh, Lawrence next. It's Molly and Han this car.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds?